Welcome, welcome to Casey's Freak Show Podcast. People often ask me what my misspelled neck tattoo means. Uh, It's freak with two E's. I don't know that I was a couple months sober and was impulsively getting tattoos in place of feeling my feelings. Uh, no. The real meaning is that growing up, the word freak was used against me by schoolyard bullies for being different from them. Oh, and probably because my whole wardrobe was styled exclusively by Costco, I quickly learned to embrace the inherent freedom in being another and now revel in my weird stripper comic recovering alcoholic life. On this episode of The Freak Show, I roped in one of the normaler weirdos I have the pleasure of knowing. Madison Shepard is a comedian who does it all. Writes, acts, hosts the popular Thigh Gap comedy show, as well as her own podcast, Mixed Up, about being mixed race. Uh, Madison, I don't know if you know this, but I actually adore you. I love you, Casey. <laughs> I, I love you so you know much. This. Can I just say fucking shout out to Casey? This is I'm so proud of you right now, dude. Thanks, I am Mama. so proud of you. Thank you. This is a dope. Like the fact that you are on this podcast network, you are fucking killing yeah, it. Yeah, we're recording at Meltdown Comics, um, recording studio for the Meltdown Comics Network now. Shout mm-hmm. out. Shout out. What a rad spot. I love this place. I love all the comic books. I love all the shows they do here. So I know Let's just talk about like the podcast history that comes out of this building. Bitch, you making it. The fact that you're here. Shut up. Why are you on top of it? This isn't about me. Bitch, I love you and I love all of this. You guys aren't seeing me, but I'm like snapping. I only brought Madison on the podcast to (laughs) bolster me up um, because I'm just narcissistic. Hi. Welcome. Dude, I'm so stoked for you. I feel like looking at your Instagram lately, you've been at the freaking improv, the laugh factory and like all the big um, comedy clubs lately. And I know you run a really sweet show that I've been on Thigh Gap Comedy. Yeah, yeah. Which that's more a part of the alternative comedy scene on the east side of L.A. I would say that's true. I mean, like we're we're definitely like alternative comics, but like, yes, you know, for me at least in comedy like I want to be able to do the alt rooms and the club rooms because ultimately I, I want to be able to make money forever yes. uh, even though I'm not making any now uh, it's important to me what do you feel like is the big difference um, for between like the alternative comedy scene which is kind of housed in like the hipster east side of LA mm-hmm. versus like the comedy clubs like the comedy store the laugh factory I saw you were at the improv what's the difference between the two well, uh, for me it's like this like like the the alt rooms it, it, it the, the the term alternative comedy refers to comedy being done outside of a comedy club right yeah, so totally. what that has turned into though is not only just outside the comedy club but also it's more inclusive generally like there's more women there's more that's how folks, I feel too more people of color that's how I feel too so. like I started coming up in the alternative scene only because like the comedy clubs really intimidated me they were yeah. i mean as male heavy as comedy already is the clubs were like 95% dudes it felt like to me mm-hmm. and like everyone set was how much they despised women and I was like this I'm already uncomfortable and now like I want to die <laughs> I mean like for me like I had that too like I think that you know it was I didn't start even doing club mics until yeah. I was like two years in I waited until I was like three four years in yeah. I was a pussy yeah. I was like uh, these dudes scare me well it's not only for me I, yeah it was the dudes but then also like the comedy store is haunted as fuck you know what I mean? There's oh, that, like, with actual, like, what? fucking ghosts. What's, what are the ghosts? Tell like, me about they this. Used to abor- they used to do, like, abortions in the um, in the <gasps> basement. It Who was did like abortions? A mo- was it, like, Chris Rock no, and like Jim Carrey? No, like, the mafia. The mafia oh, you're right. back in the day. You're like, right. When it was, like, I forget what it used to be called. But So it has, like, a weird energy to 
it anyways. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I generally, like, I'm not trying to hang out with ghosts and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, um, But also, like, 100%. you never know. Like, the last time I was at the improv, like, Russell Peters, like, watched my set. Amazing. Well, not all of it. I mean, let's be honest. He probably watched, like, 30 seconds of my set. You but can be seen there. You know what? That's You got to have the goods. And so that's why mm-hmm. I didn't go to the clubs, really, because I didn't have, like, three minutes of punchlines. Like, it Absolutely. took me a long time to learn how to write a joke. You so. know what's interesting? Talking about the history of the comedy store and the comedy clubs in L.A., I know that I have heard they have this mafia roots. Yeah. I mean, this country has gangster ass roots. I mean, the Kennedys got famous. They got their money from being bootleggers. Really? Like in the 20s and 30s. The Rockefellers, like all of the big like money yeah. families in this country with like names on buildings, streets, cities. <laughs> those motherfuckers, like mafia ties like a motherfucker. I can say motherfucker, obviously. Oh, right? you can say anything. Type, yeah. Type, and type, I type. think that's why I like to like talk to comedians on my podcast because like I think that like we live like a fr- we live free from like very traditional roots yeah uh, lifestyles do. yeah we do you know do you feel like you're like rebelling in in a way like does your family think like it's crazy you're doing comedy how does your family feel about it well when i started comedy i had a cousin just be like don't talk about me on stage and i was like well um uh, it's hard enough to talk about just myself like you're it like was, i'm not thinking about you like literally like it's hard enough for me to explain myself but like mm-hmm. you know i i think my family is weirdly proud of me doing comedy comedy a lot of them I think wish they had gotten into comedy and performing arts in general a lot of them are pretty safe Um, my mom was an artist and so I grew up in an artist household so like I you know I have a lot of I have like a cousin who like you know um, is a librarian I have another cousin who's a stay-at-home mom and another one who's a principal I have these cousins and family with rather safe jobs and I don't I don't follow. And into I know that. you used to be a theater kid, right? You went oh to school for God. acting. Yes. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. So you were like off the bat, you were like, I'm going to be a performer. Yeah, because I grew up in the theater. My parents met doing a musical. Like, Whoa, you know what I mean? I like, didn't know that. yeah, I grew up in that. My mom like uh, wrote hella plays in the 80s and the 90s, and like I just grew up in first rehearsals, writers' meetings, um, opening night how parties. How was like, that all growing around. up in an artistic home? Like, how did that shape you? Um, I think that it taught me how to be an artist in a lot of ways. I don't know why I said it like that. An artist? I'm an artist. I'm not a comedian. Um, No, I always refer to comedy as my art and I think people think that's pretentious but like it is. I've always created (laughs) in some way. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I think it is art because look, I mean for me at least I looked at comedy and like now it's the main tool that I'm using to like express myself but comedy for me has always just been a tool in the toolbox. Sometimes it's been music, sometimes it's been acting, sometimes it's been directing or writing or or dancing or drawing or collages or when anything you, you know when you switch from acting to putting comedy as your priority mm-hmm. which by the way you're freaking hilarious oh, like thank you. i had you on because i'm like sweet. i don't know i guess i'm like really jaded when it comes to comedy you watch enough open mics and shows over the years yeah. and honestly i feel like at any mic you're like oh there's the four people i actually want to watch their set right. they're funny and you're really funny i always stay in the room for your sets too oh i love you <laughs> well like how did that switch over what was like Doing theater versus doing comedy. You started three years ago doing comedy, right? Right, right. yeah. I, um, so actually, this definitely plays into the theme of this podcast. I, yeah. um, for me, be- sorry, I was too close to the mic. Um, <laughs> sorry, uh, I don't know why I'm saying sorry so much. A lot of caffeine. Um, so for me, because I grew up in a theater household, theater was kind of always like the safe bet for me like I can do it wow only in your household will theater be the safe bet that's funny like I mean like funny that's the house I grew up in where it was like it was expected of me to go to like 
arts elementary, middle school, and arts high and wow. conservatory. I tried to, in my early 20s, go to school. I was like, I'm quitting theater. I'm going to become a, I'm going to study international business. That's what I told my mom. And she's like, if you stop doing the arts, I will disown you. So wait, you studying <laughs> business was you rebelling. Yeah. She was like, That's nuts. I will That's a straight different... up disown you. <laughs> That's the opposite of how most people grow up. Like for me, my yeah. parents just think I'm like the oddest ball in the world they're like you moved why would you move to LA why would you consider like yeah a career field that's not that that doesn't involve a salary you know right well I think like obviously now my mom loves my comedy she comes to a lot of my shows she's very supportive but like so I, I stayed in theater I did theater here in Los Angeles I did a lot of Shakespeare um like with Independent Shakespeare Company doing uh, the Shakespeare in the Park here in L.A. and with the Downtown Rep Company and the other theater companies, like a lot of different stuff. Um, And so I would do that. In order to do that, I had to like make money because you don't make any money in the theater at all. Like at least in comedy, I'm like seeing some sort of financial reward for my work now. But like, um, you know, theater, there's really no money. In fact, you lose money. So yeah. I worked in accounting for a very long time. Um, I worked right. first at the pleasure chest as, at a sex store. Um, How working, was that? Like, I guess like I working it. in like the sex field in any form, I think is interesting because even working at a sex shop, I feel like you would get some get some guff from from people. Like people, people give me a lot of shit. It. People were weird about it for sure. But like I, for me, it like broke my heart open in a good way. Like mm-hmm. it gave me tools to talk about my own sexuality to I've never I grew up in the theater, so I've never had a problem with queer folks. Like it, it's not an issue. For that me. was that was your, like your family. That's my family. Like yeah. my godmother was a drag queen. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's just it was whereas common. where I grew up, like my parents were like very homophobic. Wow, you know, I can't it's just like it's it's weird. Awful. It's yeah. and my best friend is gay, and so um, you know, I feel like his being in my life and coming over and like hanging out at our house, like like very slowly but surely, like broke my parents open yeah. to starting to see, because like when you grow up in a small little white redneck town, like with parents who didn't graduate from high school, like yeah. you know, it's a weird world. It's a weird world where like you don't get to like humanize people like you don't humanize different Mm -hmm. minorities until like my best friend's gay he's coming over all the time he's charming my mother making her laugh and all of a sudden she's like oh like you know to my dad like don't like don't say those hateful things you know and it's that's beautiful it's crazy though when you grow up that way like I grew up like thinking being gay was wrong until all of a sudden all my friends were gay because like I was in the theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you like, were an outsider and they were like, oh, bitch, you with us. <laughs> well, yeah, I never, I, I just thought it was wrong like because my parents said it was wrong, yeah. but I never disliked gay people. And so like when I met gay people, I was like, oh, that's, that's the truth. That's the homies right there. Like those are my people. Right. I mean, like when you're told something growing up, like you, you can either choose to believe it or not. And I think it is about having those moments of exposure, having, yeah. you know, representation. That's why like if you don't have like people who are different than you in your like immediate world I think that's why it's important we need representation in the media so that like at least in that front people can start to be like oh well my favorite character on this tv show that I love so much and yeah. like watch all the time oh they're gay they're black they're Asian they're a woman they're it's changing trans, the way that everyone's seeing like we need a those. lot of minorities is like the fact that there's more exposure mm-hmm. of gay people and trans people people of color on mainstream television yeah. I feel like you specifically have a lot more exposure to a lot of groups than like the everyday person because yeah. like we talked about on your podcast about being mixed race yeah. your mom's 
white and your yes. dad's black, right? Correct. Yeah. Then you grew up around a lot of gay people. Yeah. Um, what was that like? Um, having a white mother that you grew up in her household, right? Yeah, yeah. I grew up with my mom. It was weird because, like, I mean, I love my mom. Like, shout out to my mom. She's great. <laughs> um, she'll probably listen to this. Um, I, 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 for me, it's like. Uh, it was weird only when I went out in the world because when I went out in the world, they let me know that it was weird that I was as poor as I was, that like my mm -hmm. dad was on TV, but like wasn't around. You know what I mean? He wow. wasn't like famous. I'm air quoting. He's not famous, but like he, he's a working. But for being, you're from Texas, right? I'm from Dallas, Texas. So I'd yeah. go to elementary school and be like, my dad was on TV last <laughs> night. And they're like, you're lying. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I went to a little small hood, uh, you know, elementary school. And like it was weird because like, I've always been an outsider. I've never been on the inside. I look different yeah. from most of my family on both sides. Um, yeah, my, welcome to the Freak Show podcast. You know what I mean? You know? I've always been an outsider. I've never been in. Yeah. Um, and, like, even, like, when I was a kid in, like, elementary school, I would try to sit with the cool girls at school, for mm -hmm. example. And, like, they would let me in, but they'd always let me know that I wasn't one of them. You yeah. know what I mean? You know like, what's the interesting? other cool black girls were like, oh, bitch, but your butt is too flat, or your mom yeah, yeah. is white, or why does your mom drive this weird-ass green car, or, like, whatever. You know I what feel I mean? similarly because like I always ran with like the weird like alternative groups mm -hmm. in high school and younger but when I got to college is when I started drinking and I was like taking on this new identity like I could be cool but it's funny you talk about that because whenever I'd run with like the cool girls in LA and like in yeah. the like party scene in college like the hot girls like I think I was the other because like I was the class clown like mm -hmm. I'd make fun of myself I'd make all the girls make fun of me yeah. like I had to be the butt of their jokes because that was my in to the cool clique yeah that also saved me from getting my ass beat like a lot uh, really growing just up being in like just being funny just making a fucking fool of myself me like too. if you'd be like oh come meet <laughs> me after school we're gonna fight if I show up to the fight and I start like you know doing at the time I was doing a lot of shenanigans impressions you know what I mean <laughs> a lot of like Wanda from living you know what I mean I, a lot of that kind of shit you're not gonna try to fight me because everyone around you is laughing and so you're not gonna try to like punch me it was you know like I mean? an early roast battle you oh could just God. like instead of like beating someone up you're just like physically yeah being funny it was a way to take control so I've, I've totally. never been it and then like I think by the by middle school I had sort of discovered that I wasn't like everybody else I didn't talk yeah. like everybody else I didn't look like them I my my neighborhood went from being black in the 80s to by the early 2000s late 90s Latino so I was like the black kid in classes oh. and shit so like you know, once I kind of realized that, I just started dressing like super goth. I was into punk. You were goth? I was super goth. You were into punk? Girl, when I was, I made a, one of the first films I ever made uh, when I was like 13 years old was called Black Lipstick, which was about being bullied <laughs> for being goth. Like I've always just wow. been like alternative. And, you know, when I came to California, I mean, I've just always felt on the outside. So I was goth. I came here um, and I went to arts high school with a bunch of rich kids and I didn't relate to oh them. And so then I kind of got lost in that for a while so you were on the outs with like, like what, just all this kind of every school you went to you were like uh, when the latino kids were like the main mm -hmm. group like you were other when it was like rich kids you were the other the poor one yeah. i totally i relate yeah. to that completely and like so in that vein like do you feel like you, like in a way you were the freak like is that 
Cause I really, yeah, I, t- I took on I that word. They Kids called us freak. Me. Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah. we were all like goth with like Jinko. I mean, mall goth, obviously, you know what yeah. I mean? We're like 13 Same. years old. You know what I mean? We're going to Marilyn Manson concerts. Like, Oh my God. But I know? love Marilyn Manson. Oh God, Why is there something too. so sexy about him? I know. Although I will say when I was in school, just to be different, because that was the name of the game. Oh, absolutely. Um, I was more into Twiggy Ramirez, his bassist. So shout out to Twigs. <laughs> it's just um, like you had to pick like the obscure crush. Right. Oh, I had to too. But like, I don't know. Like I remember when I first got a MySpace, it was like, there's like a section that said people you would like to meet. And I always wrote Marilyn Manson. Yeah, same. Because like something, there's something so erotic about his like, like gender fluidness. Um, I met him when I was 16 years old <gasps> and I got him what to sign. Like? Um, I cried. <laughs> I wow. was like sobbing in front of him. <laughs> um, it was very weird, and he was probably super high and completely weirded out by this like little goth black girl standing in front of him sobbing. You know what's funny? I went on a date <laughs> with this guy a couple years ago. A date, it was it was a mess. I was a mess. Um, but it was with a dude who was best friends with Marilyn Manson. Oh wow! They really truly were like good friends, and you know this was when I was still drinking, and like he and I were just downing the whiskeys, and he yeah. would t- he was just telling me about how to this day Marilyn Manson is still. Um, the number one rock star in that he has not stopped partying. He still does drugs and booze like he did Mm -hmm. decades ago. Like, I guess, you know, other rockers get get clean or just, like, lay off a little bit, maybe go on, you know, marijuana maintenance or something. But I guess Marilyn Manson still parties hard. Okay, so I read recently, well, recently-ish, who knows? But, like, I read that he was, like, yeah, sober for me now is just, like, beer and, and weed. So I don't know if he's still, like... Oh, he said that. Yeah, he said that. That's so funny. In L.A., when I tell people I'm sober, they always tell me that. They're like, I don't drink either. But they're like, oh, I smoke pot all day. I'm like, no, yeah. no, I'm, like, the sober, that's that includes pot. I mean, you know, I don't know if I uh, if I consider... I mean, it's not for me to say whether or not somebody... To judge somebody else's sobriety or not, but, like, I will say that... That, like in my mind that's probably not sober and like yeah. I, you know <laughs> I'm not currently in 12 step but like I, I've spent a lot of time in various rooms for various things and um, I would say that like I don't consider that so but whatever here I am whatever. judging you on know, my fucking pedestal no, sweating okay. down my pantyhose and do you feel like recording studio <laughs> do you feel like there's like a substance or an activity that you like do a lot that you feel unhealthy about it's probably drinking. Really? And then, yeah, yeah. I don't think I. I don't. I mean, we've talked about this. I don't think yeah. I have a healthy relationship with alcohol necessarily. Uh, but you know, I'm on my own journey with that. Uh, yeah, I grew. I have grown up. A lot of my family members are alcoholic, and I'd see it in them, mm-hmm. and I'd blame them, and I'd be like, "You're an alcoholic, yeah. mom." And and it's funny because like then the, the tables turned on me. No, you that, know? I would say that like that happened to me. Like there was definitely growing up like a lot of. Um, alcoholics in my uh, like my stepdad was like a huge addict and drinker and oh yeah did he live with you guys when I was when I was I, I was like 16 when he moved in with us or something okay. so well yeah but, you were a little a little older yeah and so like I was like a fully formed person but like yeah. he would like when they started dating um, him and my mom he would like she like got him like a housewarming gift for his new apartment or something and like mm-hmm. brought it over or whatever and he like started calling at like the middle of the night like clearly just like fucking cracked out like wow. I need money like give me the receipt like you owe me this and da 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 like I'm to your mom to, yeah to this gift that she just bought him she's like give me that receipt because I'm taking it back I don't want it da 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 oh he, he was, was trying, trying to, to get he was trying to get money oh. and like he just moved and I remember this because uh, this guy I was dating at the time his brother-in-law was like a huge like weed dealer in Texas mm-hmm. um, and so like he 
we were driving and, and he was like, oh, I was like, oh, yeah, that's where dude lives. And he's like, oh, that's, you know, he lives above like a trap house. Like, oh. like that's like, the, that's <laughs> what a, a weird coincidence. I like, wonder why he lives in that spot. Yeah. yeah so like, yeah. I've always. What a strange. So it was just weird that like when I was growing up, I had a similar thing to you where I was like, mm. also when I was younger, but we'll, we could talk about that another time. But like, I, I was just judging the projection of like telling, yeah. like being like upset with people for drinking. Absolutely. Me and, too. I would like, every time my mom would take a drink, I would shame her and make fun of her. Yeah. And I feel oh like. for it now um because then you know my alcoholism progressed to where like I couldn't put it down like I really was drinking almost every day and or every day toward the end of my drinking career and you know now I have a lot more compassion for her because it's something it's like a disease that's beyond me right it's baffling I mean and and cunning and who the fuck knows and like when I was a kid like I remember I saw my mom like drinking at like her play had just opened off Broadway and she was having a glass of wine yeah like to celebrate and I (laughs) did you tear her oh I I terrorized her I terrorized everyone at the place and it's like oh but now I'm I did that to my mom who drinks and and it's very shameful I think but it's like it. you know now as an adult I'm like you know what everyone was just doing the best they can like she was having they a were glass just coping. of wine they were coping Our- and I guess I was coping too yeah. because my reaction was to try to control adults like as like an eight year old oh I, I was you always I mean? trying like, to I'm trying to like be in charge like, but you know what but- though I'll, I will say this um, in my household I do feel like I was put in the adult position a lot of the time mm. um, to be the adult and the parent that my parents didn't like have the tools for yeah so I had a lot of resentment about that like for years I was like I'm never gonna have kids partly because I didn't want to like abuse them the way I was abused and partly Mm -hmm. because I resented the fact that I had to be the grown-up for so many years so then when I like I would take it out on my mom like oh you want me to be your mother like well then let me shame you for drinking it's very like a complicated thing but I think like as kids like you don't know any better you're just like I, I shamed her for a glass of wine too, and it's like a glass. Yeah, I think about <laughs> you know all of I mean? our friends. Right, that like the drinking that I see on a yes. daily basis is like so much absolutely crazier <laughs> than like my mom's glass of white yeah. wine. You know what I mean? I know. <laughs> and I've certainly done worse in my day, but Me too. you know, like I just uh, I try to nowadays. I just try to have compassion for other people and myself, and also know that like other people's drinking like isn't my fucking business you know what i mean especially like when my shit is like my house is not in order like i have so many things that are going on in my life that i need to put my own attention on this like i can't be concerned with whether or not you're drinking like who cares like yeah i have other shit i need to deal with so we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back so we're back. Hi, Madison. Hi, Casey. So I saw you got a n- new tattoo on your thigh. What I does it did. say? What oh does it say, gosh. sexy? It says, it says, she don't need no man. I love it. Yeah, I, I'm obsessed with it. My boyfriend kind of dared me to get it. Um, That's so funny that it was when you were already dating him that you're like, I need no man tattoo. Yeah, because like, I'm always thinking about like dumb things to like tattoo on my body. I'm getting to that age where I'm like, I didn't get tattoos because I used to do theater. And so I was like, I need to be a blank yes. canvas. But now yes, I'm yes, like, yes. Uh, I don't care. Um, but mm. I got it because like, I always like make dumb tweets about stupid tattoo ideas I have. And I'm just going to start getting them. Just start getting them. That's how, you know, the, your tattoo combines two of my favorite things, which are tattoos and feminism. Yeah. And that's like what I've covered my body. And I have like Lisa Simpson. Uh, like, yes. I have, I'm, you know, I'm obsessed with tattoos. I, know, I, know. I love your tattoo. I, I love all of your tattoos. Okay. The thing is, is that like, um, I feel like I should like, 
uh, the joke I say about this on stage is like, she don't need no man except for the one that paid for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Did he pay for it? Yeah, because he was like, no girl. Yeah, he was like, I dare you, I'll pay for it. I was like, great. <laughs> you know what's crazy is there is this, okay, within feminism and like the larger conversation I keep hearing about it is like, you know, I'm a sex worker and a huge feminist and like people really have trouble marrying the two. Yeah. They're like, you can't be a feminist and also make money off of men or like a man can't pay for your stuff. Like, uh, there's already like a pay inequality. We're just trying to even it out right now. Right. Yeah. You know, I was just, I was going to comment on somebody's because we were just talking about Amber Rose in the break um, yeah. because we both love her very much. And somebody's like, I don't think she represents feminism. And I was Barf. like, what are you talking about? Well, because like, I think the thing is, is they're like, uh, basically, I feel like the, the way that a lot of people do is they equate like sex work with like women's work, which is that's not a tool of the no. like patriarchy. I don't know what the fuck is like, oh, Ugh. only women, I'm air quoting, but only women are doing this or whatever. And I'm like, it's just a way to like degrade the work. And by the way, are there are doing. many gay male or just male sex workers. Tons. I know them. Tons. I know them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just feel like that people are just looking for any kind of way to like steal power to degrade the type of work undermine the strength that a woman is able to find mm -hmm. in whatever way she is able to find it in this patriarchal right. world and also because like fuck it like it, however you can get ahead get ahead and do it for your family and do it Amen. for like other people and put other people on which she does all the time yeah people undermine or undercut Kim Kardashian's fame with, oh, it was a sex tape. Or Amber Rose's, oh, she dated Kanye West. Mm -hmm. Well, look at where they're now. Oh, that's really ironic that Kim is with Kanye West. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Actually, yeah. now that I think about it. Yeah. But no, but look at where they're at now career-wise. Mm -hmm. And Kim was before Kanye. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like people just want... I mean, that doesn't mean that... I don't I don't love uh the Kardashians. I don't like to watch that show. It's not really for me. Neither, me neither, but, but like, like I, I have support, a certain amount of respect for her. I one hundred percent have respect for her. Yeah. And like her whole family putting each other on, getting ahead. Like yes. that's what's up. You know what and I mean? And you think about it, they're Armenian. Like they yeah. like I constantly living in LA, like people are constantly putting down Armenians. Like it's Which the is group racist that, as fuck. I know. It is the group that it seems like is the most okay putting down besides maybe Asian people in LA openly. Like yeah. what's up with that? No, I find it really rude and awful. And I'm Me like, I'm, I'm like, guys, um, number, I, I mean, I'll let other people decide this. I mean, I guess they are technically Caucasian cause they're like near the Caucasus or whatever. But like, I, I'm like, if you've been genocided, like, I don't know <laughs> if you can like be shit on the same, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's really like been, people really like put them down. Like people are like, I hear it's all the time. Persecuted and <laughs> like people say the most awful things about Armenian people. And it's like, okay, if the Kardashians were able to get a leg up, however they were able to do it, mm -hmm. good on them. I respect them a lot. Like Cher's Armenian. <laughs> like, oh, I know. I just found that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, Like, I mean, yeah. honestly, like, people just need to, like, chill the fuck out about just being racist to people. Like, it's not okay. And, like... Just because it's one group that maybe at that time doesn't have as loud of a voice or whatever. Right. It's always a group that they... It's like, oh, well, you're not hearing much of a pushback from. Right, because there's not a lot of folks... There's a lot of people who pass and there's a lot of, you know, all this other stuff and, like, there's, you know... There's people who just recently immigrated and stuff like that. So I think in the coming years, we'll see less of that. But right now, there's not a lot of folks who are just like out and also like being like, hey, don't talk shit about Armenians in a loud enough voice for most people to hear. So, you know. Yeah, I was just seeing on Instagram, the Kardashians post pictures with Cher from like, what was it, the Armenian Genocide Institute or something? Mm -hmm. um, and it was cool because I feel like people put them down a lot for Kim having had a sex tape years ago. Mm -hmm. Like, but look at what they're doing for that. 
culture. Minority, you know? I mean, when they went to Armenia a couple years ago, it was a big fucking deal. Like they like brought so much um, awareness and light, or like sh- shown a light on this part of history that people don't talk about. And like, I thought it was just so moving and powerful the way that the entire like country just sort of like you know open the door to them and like was like hey thanks for coming here and like it's when they went to israel and all of that with connie a few years ago i thought it was really important and like i i i agree i don't love them but i love what they represent and what they're doing i'm just not into like reality tv like i wasn't a teenager anymore but like look that's because we were living in the heyday of reality tv oh my god were we not oh my god the early 2000s i mean america's next top model (laughs) i watched every episode can we talk about how it changed so disgustingly once they moved to la well remember like a couple seasons in like season three or four they started like they moved to la they went from new york and i was like i don't want to watch this well new york is where the fashion world is housed i I studied apparel design in school (laughs) i know what's up (laughs) hello i might dress like a third grader but i know what's yeah Fair. Um, yeah, so I know you have a new boyfriend. I do have a boyfriend. I'm so happy. Dude, it's so funny because I feel like you and I are the two that like comment on each other's sickeningly sweet uh, Instagram posts. I know, we're about Everybody it. else is just like, you guys are gross. No, I love <laughs> it. But you and your boyfriend do look like a perfume ad. Oh, like, I love you know it. I, mean? I love that like, comment. I posted this video <laughs> online of like, I put to Miley Cyrus's song in the background, Malibu, and I made us like kissing like over a cliff top. And, with like, gorgeous golden sunlight pouring over there. And Madison's like, like it looks like a perfume ad. I'm like, I love you, girl. You get it. I know. I love it. I mean, like, we're just in love right now. We're gross. We're so I know. I mean, also because like I was single for so long that it's like that's why I brought this up. I was single five and a half years. Yeah, I was single about three or four years, and it's like Mm -hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to hide it under a bushel, and like this is part of my life. And if you don't fucking like it, unfollow me. Thank I don't you. need I don't need your follow I don't need your support I don't need any of it mute it unfriend me bitch Bye. same same because That's why the I minute that you up. go away honey there I trust me I'm a, I'm on the come up sweetheart and like I, know, I don't need your I'm snapping I don't need your <laughs> fucking likes this Bye. is why I bring this up because I've had people tell me men and women yeah. in comedy and out of comedy tell me. I literally got a DM from a stranger the other day, some random like anonymous Instagram account of some guy I don't know saying you should post less corny ass photos with you and your boyfriend because it's going to lose you followers. An anonymous account. I've had female friends who are comedians say and then no hate on them, just that they do not post pictures or statuses about their relationship Mm -hmm. because and I respect this don't get me wrong I'm not shitting on them because it actually like has tarnished some of their opportunities that guys might reach out to them because you know we we work in a male dominated field and and I've I've got to say girl I've got to say girl I've gotten a lot less likes on my statuses and my photos since I'm very very open and out there about being in love and being in a relationship I don't give a damn I feel like I'm Every time I've stuck true to myself and my heart, mm-hmm. my art has gotten better. My career has progressed because I'm where we work in comedy. Truth prevails. Yeah, always. And also, like, like honestly, just everyone needs to check themselves. Are you jealous? Like, I had a guy recently yeah. who, like, literally was like, oh, so this is what we're going to have to sit through. And I'm like, dude, like, fuck oh, you. Like, oh, I get, I get yeah. why, like, people don't. I, I try not to, like talk about my family on stage but like when it comes to relationships that's very relatable you know what I mean why would I not want to like make jokes and talk about it's this it's a part on stage? of your everyday and life my social media is an extension of my stage persona it's very mm-hmm. um uh cultivated and like manicured so that it 
gives my point of view. Me too. And part of that point of view is that Mm -hmm. I have this gorgeous black boyfriend who I love so much. You do. And you guys are so hot together. Thank you. And you can just feel the love and it just, you both are so sexy. Like, I love seeing that. I love seeing other female comics be open and out there about their relationships because if you think about it, like being in the stand-up world, like I hear dude after dude after dude talk about like, their issues with their girlfriend or how just like relationship stuff they never think twice about posting a picture with their woman online of course they don't have to think twice about it I mean there's so many things I think that like maybe comics of an older generation abide by that I don't Um, like a lot of like female comics won't wear like pretty hair, makeup, and clothes on stage, but I mm-hmm. only perform in a skirt, and I only wear you. a dress. I always have, like, full hair, full makeup. Good for you. If I don't, it's, like, how I am right now, which you is know, still, like, I have a hair piece in. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm still, like, kind of flossing. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what someone said? Um, do you know Joe Dosh? Yeah, of course. I love him. He's so awesome. Funny. He's gay, comic, really killing it He's in on comedy the right battle, now. Uh, this last season. He's so one of my funny. best friends, and the something he once said to me, actually, a lot of things he said to me have, like, resonated forever, um, but one of them was that we were kind of poking fun at the schlubbiness of male comics, yeah. particularly the alt-male comics, oh. just the overt schlubbiness. He's like, you know what? Like, you need to look better than your audience. Yeah. You're up there performing for them. Also, like, fucking dress for the job you want. I want to yeah. be a headliner. I'm sorry. I want to be, I want to have my own, I want to have a series of specials. I want a ton of, mm-hmm. like, I want to have my own TV show. I want to be a boss bitch. And so dress like it. You do. Exactly. And You're I, chilling And my it. boyfriend, he always wears a suit on stage. Like, is he a comic? He is a comic. He's a comic out of San Francisco, and he really um, does. But he lives here. Though? Yeah, he moved down here because he wrote on Moshe Kasher's show, uh, Problematic. Oh, cool. So like, yeah, he came down here for that, and um, like that's one of the things I love about him is that yeah, he's like you know he's got a like he's a full figure gentleman, and he has a mm-hmm. beard like most male comics do. But, but like his he is dr- manicured. I've seen oh, pictures. Oh god, he takes care of it so well. It's sexy, and he dresses well, and it's like hey, like I'm still at work. You know what I mean? Like, when I'm at my job job, my day job, like, yeah. I still dress nice. So, like, why wouldn't I do that for the audience? And also because I come from the... I mean, there's so many layers to this, but, like, because I come mm-hmm. from the theater, I always want to wear hair and makeup because I was a leading lady in the theater. And guess what? Hair, makeup, and beautiful costumes. Why I would was I do always, that now? I was actually on the dance team. I was in theater when I was younger, younger, but, like, high school was dance team, and then obviously I'm a stripper. And, like, so I've always, like, attached, like, a dress up when mm-hmm. you go in front of people. I was on the speech team in high school. You wear a suit. I went to state. You wear a blazer. Like Performance. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, why? It's supposed to be not every day that they come to see a show. Like, maybe it's every day for us, but it's not every day for them. So it's, like, make it special. Make it memorable. You know what well, I mean? Well, you do a really good job of that. Um, um, so we were just talking before the show how like you turned 30 this year I and I'm 28 and like our bodies are falling apart. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> my teeth yes. are falling out of my head. Dude, Literally. girl, I was flossing my teeth. I wasn't even like eating a piece of candy. I was flossing my teeth uh, like a couple months ago and a chunk of my tooth fell off. Oh. A chunk of my tooth fell oh. off. I mean, it was from flossing. I'm like, I guess I'm never flossing again. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, right now I'm having tooth pain. Like it's bad. Like honestly, like I'm just trying to like get on so I can fucking just pay to get all these taken out and yep. be Chris Rock with like beautiful huge ah, just veneers. like I'm obsessed I think we've talked about this before but like I'm obsessed with people's fake teeth like I don't give a I don't shit think about we've talked about this oh my god we haven't do you have okay. a lot of conversations about this um, Madison I do I talk about this all the time I feel like <laughs> I don't give a shit about nose jobs boobs jobs ass jobs whatever 
or do what you need. I can always tell like a truly rich person when their teeth <laughs> are all fucking fake and perfect, but like so perfect that they don't, but like imperfect also. Like they Ooh. pay to have them slightly stained and like Ooh. so that they look more natural. And I, I'm obsessed with it. Is I that will, a thing? Yeah, girl. I stare at so many. I've had so many friends get veneers too, who are like paid, and I'm like, Bitch. friends. Who are your friends that get veneers? I have a friend who like writes for a TV show, and okay. another one who's like a um, an editor, and she. They both have. They're both ladies, and they both have gorgeous fake teeth. I'm always shocked at how much work. Like you know, it's always joked about and and stuff, but there's. In this town, there are so many people who have had work, work done. Like, mm-hmm. the everyday, like, your cashier has had work done. Like, it's a yeah. thing. I'm not hating. I actually, like, I kind of, okay, I kind of have, like, admiration for it now. Do you, would you get work done? Um, At this point, no, but I'm totally, I have Botox on in the horizon. Like, totally. Yeah. I'm starting to see the wrinkles around my eyes. Although you're part Asian, so no, no shade, but you're oh. going to look young for a very long time. Oh, thank you. I've been blessed genetically. Um, yeah. But it's, it is like everyone in this town has had something. Yeah, I work, yeah. I work at a strip club and I forget, like, girls at my work, you know, have had butts and boobs. And again, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just like, you know. Even, like, people with less money are getting stuff done. Well, because now, like, they, like, advertise it on the, like, if you listen to, like, um, like Power uh, 106 or whatever, during tax season, they will straight up advertise, like, get a breast <sighs> augmentation and, like, X amount of payments, like, no money down, da-da-da-da-da-da. And it's, like, you can get it for not that much money. You know wow. what I mean? Oh, oh, no. Now you're, ta- I feel like you're talking me into it. I mean, look, I mean, I'm, I'm pro getting work done. Like, whatever you need to do to, like, make it tolerable. I just want to get my teeth done. Like, uh, did you see the feud? No. On um, FX about Joan Crawford and Betty Davis? No. You have, I will give you my, like, FX Did they have now. a feud? Yeah, they had a long-standing, like, rivalry. Oh, no. And they had it to the end of their day, and it was partly, like, created by Hollywood. Very feminist show. I will give you my password so you can watch it. Okay. You have to watch it. It's so good. But towards the end, like, Joan Crawford's, like, brushing her teeth, and her teeth are all fucked up because she got all this, like, work done, like, back in the day when it was, like, diamond, oh, like, yeah, yeah, archaic. Yeah. Anyways, I'm like, if it's good enough for Joan Crawford, it's good enough for fucking me. Oh, for sure. And you know what's interesting is growing up, like, I really did want to be a stand-up since I was a little girl, and I know people, like, shit on her a lot, but Kathy Griffin is one of my top favorite comedians of all time. I love her. She always has been. And I admired her. Her book, um, which I- Oh, what's it called? Oh, my God. Do you remember? Oh, my God. It's weird, because it's like- I'm reading Aisha Tyler. I I almost exclusively (gasps) read- I met her once. Oh, my God. Listen, I almost exclusively read female books comics by books. female comics. Yeah, me too. Almost, save for like Steve Martin's book, but like. But I used to look at Kathy Griffin and Joan um, Crawford. Did I just Joan I, Rivers? Oh, Joan Rivers. I'm yeah. so sorry. I just had a brain fart. That's okay. <laughs> and like I, love... I really worship them, but I used to look at them when I was younger. Like I was in high school, and I'd watch stand up all the time, and mm-hmm. I thought they were brilliant. Like Kathy, especially. Oh my god, I freaking yeah. worship her. I really. She has she is the hardest working woman and has like the least, like she always loses everything. But anyways, um, I'd I'd be like, how could these smart, funny women like really just like not be so confident as to get plastic surgery? Because those are the messages told to me by the media that right. if you get plastic surgery, you're a weak woman and you're mm-hmm. like a wannabe woman and you're bad you're and you're than. less than and like. But now, like as a grown woman who's had like a lifetime of insecurity and like feeling like not enough mm-hmm. and now whose looks are starting to just slightly go away just a little bit like I get it okay you've got to read this book uh it's it's the last book about Joan Rivers she didn't write it but like it was like uh researched to the hilt it was called um 
the last girl on the freeway or something oh, like really? that. It was it was this, but they talk about her plastic surgery. It, it it she wrote a lot of books herself, but like I would highly recommend it because she talks about it and it's like. Yeah, you know what? She always felt like an ugly duckling, Joan Rivers, and like as a lot of us did. Like, and yeah. she just did it so that she could like kind of feel good about herself. And she like that was one of the things that she was insecure about. She had no problem making money. She owned a portion of QVC. That bitch was paid. That's you know the thing I mean? is like people often mistake like getting work done to be like for others. Yeah. When really, I think just like with my tattoos, like people always want me to explain them. They think it's for their viewing. They think. Oh, well, you got them. You wanted me to ask about the meaning. Well, actually, it's because I like looking down at my skin and I like the way it looks. Or getting mm-hmm. getting your lips filled. Like, it's like looking in the mirror and liking the way you look. And really, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it's done for ourselves. Like, 100%. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's totally for ourselves. Uh, and it's, I think it's, like, also super uh, patriarchal to be like, it's for men other and people's male gaze to male be attractive gaze. Yes. to them. And it's like, no, I think it's to be feel good about yourself, you know? Yeah, girl. Um... So, like, I feel like it's it's funny, like, talking to you on, on my podcast today because, like, I haven't had as many comedians on. And I feel mm. like you, like, exemplify the freedom that, like, that I really, t- you know, I want to yeah. embody on the show. And, like, what does being free mean to you? God. I mean, first of all, I saw this play one time and um, I'm forgetting what show it was. Oh, Woman of Independent Means, I think. And it was, like, the only freedom, the only true freedom is financial uh, oh my god that's funny and i was like yeah I think that's, that's funny true. um so like freedom to me would definitely mean financial security uh financial freedom to like not have to think twice about spending money on because that's always been an issue i've always life. been financially insecure always been very poor still am very poor um but i think that's short term to me freedom means um being true to myself, being honorable, and like also like helping other people be true to themselves and being honorable and being good. You know I what I mean? I think that's what you do through your comedy and like anything like you project with your writing, which is also really funny. And your podcast is like when we like be ourselves like you are and like are open about our issues, our insecurities, our backgrounds, like it frees other people to be who they are. That's yeah. the only reason I'm like open about myself today. I mean, they say if you can laugh at something, you can no longer be ashamed of it. And then yes. it's like that's like that's a freedom to me too. I have so much shame in I my life so about much shame. stuff, and it's like mm. I don't need to be ashamed of that. You know what I mean? And I don't, I don't want other people to be ashamed of it. So maybe in in my talking about it, like right now, my tooth is broken. You see that? Yeah. I'm I'm talking about it on stage. You know what I mean? Because it's like I don't know when I literally I don't know when I can afford to get it fixed. I think you know also I mean? freedom is like. At least what I found a lot of it is exactly what you just said, which is faking it till you make it. You're you seem to me like you're completely free of the shame that you're talking about. I want to encourage other people by me talking about it. I hope that it's freeing other people. Yeah. It is because yeah. I don't feel shame from you. I don't feel like and maybe like there's residual, but it doesn't seem like it from the outside. Well, that's good. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm faking like, it real nice. good. I have a lot of shame about so much stuff. You know what I mean? But it's yeah. like that's not how to live my life and like truly I've never why am I trying to run with the in crowd quote unquote when I've never been in the in crowd not even in my family when I was born it was a it was an issue that I my mom brought home a black baby she also didn't tell anybody she showed up she didn't tell anybody okay oh my god so you were the surprise she she just like showed up one Thanksgiving with a a half black baby at 26 she didn't tell anybody so like it was she was also 26 she was also 26 well uh, now I I think about where was I at 26 I think it's so funny now I'm like oh that's so my mom (laughs) like she was 
she was busy trying to figure out what she was going to do. You know what I mean? So I, I never felt completely enveloped in any one thing. And so it's mm-hmm. like, why do I care now? You know what I mean? Nothing is, I'm never going to be whatever expectations are put on me. I'm never going to be a size two. I am yeah. never going to be, um, I don't know, lighter skinned with mm-hmm. longer hair or mm-hmm. perfect teeth. Actually, I do plan on getting very rich and having perfect teeth very soon. <laughs> but wait, like wait, until wait, then, yes. but until then, until Paramount. I sell some TV shows. Uh, I feel like this is your mo- motivating factor for doing well at comedy is the teeth. Like, yeah, you should like there should be like. Well, that and I want to retire my mom. I want to like buy my mom a house. But like Amazing. I've always wanted to do that. But yeah, yeah, man. I think you're doing a really good job of it. How is Thigh Gap Comedy, your show? You've had it for how many years now? Um, So we've run a couple of shows. Um, Thigh Gap is kind of like, I guess, the collective or like the producing entity. Um, We've had uh, that for about two and a half years now. Um, And like everything for me, like when I did theater, when I made films, back when I was younger I always my uh, thing is is that if I'm gonna get the come up I'm taking other people with me I've always felt that too that's like I always like dream of like who is my team that I want to bring up? Like Chelsea Handler is. She yeah. has like a whole panel of guests every time, but it's like, well, on her, when oh, she had Chelsea yeah. Lately. And I always think of like, who's my Chelsea Lately panel? Or the Casey Lately panel. Yeah, exactly. Always. That's always who I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah, because it's like, I, I want to support other women, people of color and queer yes. folks. And I want yes, them to girl. like get the come up too. And so like, that is how we book our show. Um, we... I've noticed that you guys actually, a lot of people talk about it, but you guys really put it into action. Well, and you have me. for a couple years, which is before that became a more popular thing exactly. to do. Exactly. We were one of the first uh, diversity showcases that were actually diversity showcase. Like, we try not mm-hmm. to have too many, like, straight white men. Um, if we do, we book them how they book us, which is they are d- a diversity spot. And we say that into the mic to the audience. We're yes. like, guys, this is our one straight white male Hilarious. on here. And we're very, like, and it's not to be shitty. It's not to be rude to them, but it's like, hey, you guys won't book two women on a lineup. You won't book Mm -hmm. two black women on a lineup. And I I mean, there's not a ton of like black women doing comedy at my level in Los Angeles. There's probably Mm -hmm. about like five to 10 of us and they won't book us all to like they wouldn't because they like don't want our stories. And it's like, I don't talk about the same thing as like, you know, Danielle Radford, for example. I just read, um, have you read Phoebe? She's not at my level, by the way. She's above (laughs) me. She's just on two dope queens, but I just, I run a show with her. Have you read Phoebe Robinson's new book? Um, Don't touch my hair and other things I don't, I shouldn't have to explain. You know what? Okay. So I, here's something I'm slightly ashamed of. Reading is, um, not my, uh, strong suit. I think I'm slightly dyslexic, uh, but I have like a lot of, coping tools to help me get through yeah. it and so I have to listen to books uh, okay, to get cool. through them um, so that's one thing you know dude I, mean? I really wanted to mention talking to you today is like one thing I did want to point out is you're one of the like very few people I noticed in the game like who isn't fake I, that's, is that a me is that a cunty thing to say to I'm the community my eyes. <laughs> but I no I mean it like I mean like a lot of people like when I was like had my column were very like ass kissy and then it went away and they were no longer and before it during it after it you've always been like consistently cool but without being ass kissy mm-hmm. and, I, and I see you in the in I'm the... very proud of everything you do I think it's dope oh, thank I'm like you. hell yeah girl get it I'm but super but even proud in the of rooms you. of comedy I see you hold your own I see you be nice but I don't see you be like that thirsty networky mm-hmm. comic which there are so many of and it's really like it's kind of like exhausting it's very exhausting I like that you like hold your own you work on your shit you work really hard 
and you're funny and you are like real with people. I, you know, I really respect that, dude. I mean, like, I would say that, like, I've always kind of had that fuck it attitude. Like, I don't I don't need you to approve because I'm still going to do good. I'm still going to do good <laughs> without you. Sorry. And you Same. can just watch me like conquer take a seat hate mm-hmm. me on the side whatever bitch i don't need i don't need you because i have a whole group of people who love appreciate and support me and i don't need to like kiss your ass well to, you put you know the work mean? in and it shows and you don't have to be ass kissy when you put the work in and you're funny and you're showing up for people and you're kind to people from a genuine place not like a let's lo- use each other for shit kind of yeah. place also i'll just say that like you know the part of that is like you know i i briefly mentioned 12 step but i was in al-anon for a long time and part of that was mm-hmm. like other a thing that i took away from 12 step was other people's opinion of me is not my business and when oh i say my it God, myself yes. it's like it's not my fucking business what yeah. you think about me I, anytime i get like caught because i'll like spin out I'll be depressed. I won't get any. I get so anxious about not meeting other people's expectations Mm -hmm. or my own expectations of myself that I freeze and I can't get work done. And that's not that's that is um, not going to help me. It's not going to serve my mission as an artist and it's not going to serve other people. If Madison is chained up by her own fucking anxieties because she's not living up to whatever thing she's supposed to. Madison, it shows so so much. I try. You really like you feel I feel the realness from you. I really do. Because like. I kind of do like I, I keep a lot of people at an arm's length, like in general, because I'm just like self-conscious and awkward. And I, you know, I've worked through a lot of that, but like you've never rubbed me in the way that's like phony. And I just I really wanted to say that I appreciate that. And, Thank you, Casey. and also like talking about the like caring what other people think, like a big issue for me up until I started working hard on it about a year and a half ago when I got sober was I am a tried and true people pleaser I grew up in a household where to survive you had to be like a very hardcore people pleaser and like put on the smiley face and adjust your mood for other people so that you would survive you would not get hurt and a cool I guess meditation for me that I've been meditating since I got sober because I need something to get me out of my head yeah meditation is great there's a mantra I said like my whole first year I'd meditate every morning for 10 minutes and this mantra I'd say all the time and it's actually sunk in now in in my soul is um not everybody may like me, but I love me. And I just repeat that oh, over and over and fuck. over. Well, because I yeah, was like... Really, no, that's powerful. I'm moved yeah, by that. Yeah. I was invested in like, you have to like me. I was people-pleasing so hard all the time. And it was fake, but that's all I knew how to do. Yeah. I mean, like, and also, like, it's okay if, like, you were still... If you still get into that or you still do that in some way or, like, other people who may ex- be experiencing that now where they're wrapped up in... It, it's like, this is a tool you have right now and it may not always be the case. Yeah. It probably always wasn't the case. It might just be what you're doing now and, like, that's fucking okay. It's like, okay to, be to like, have things that are, like... They serve you at certain points and they might not serve you in the future. And also, it will serve... That's a tool that can be very useful, that you, if, if you know how to like use it, you can dip in and out of that, and it can be very good to have. You yeah, know what I guess I mean? when it has its positives and its negatives. Like a benefit is if somebody is worked up, I'm really good at calming them down. Right, that's great. Yeah, you know what I mean. And also, like, I don't know, man. I just think that like, you know, we have to kind of do that in order to survive many situations like you were saying like growing up in that household i think sometimes with like industry stuff i don't want to be one of those people who's like oh industry this that and the third like hollywoodish blah 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 I, that's not my experience um but i know that like sometimes it is useful if i can just kind of 
you know, meet people where they're at. Like, totally. You know, it's useful in any facet of life, to be honest. And honestly, like, sometimes I don't feel like fucking showing up to a show. You know what I mean? I don't feel like performing. I'm in a bad mood. Something's going on Mm -hmm. with me. But I need to show up and, like, kind of, like, put it on in, quote, unquote, for me sometimes performing, performative stuff is people-pleasing. Because that's not necessarily how I feel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're killing it. So, like... What do you have going on right now? I know you're hosting not only the Thigh Gap Comedy Show, but you mm-hmm. host open mics. Like, what open mics are you hosting right I'm now? actually not hosting any open mics right now. Okay, um, but you do host the Thigh Gap Comedy Show still. Yeah, yeah. Gentrification is a monthly show in Highland Park at uh, Avenue 50 Studio. It's the last Friday of every month. Um, and we've been going for about uh, two and a half years now. Um, it's other... awesome. Where can people find that online to follow? Um, thighgapcomedy.com, um, at thighgapcomedy on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm working with them. I'm also like... Uh, I actually, I don't think I told you this, but I got like a shopping deal for a pilot I'm working on. So like I'm oh, really yeah. So I'm like feels so good. <sighs> no money yes. yet. My teeth are still fucked up. You'll know that <laughs> you know that I have money. You'll know that I have money. You'll solve it when you have like this beautiful perfect, white perfect smile tooth teethy. Um, and then also I'm like working on a, a couple of like proofs of concept stuff. So I'm right now I'm stand up. I'm still doing shows, but I'm not like. I'm do I'm spending a lot of time at home writing, too, girl. which is like great. That's okay. You know I, what think, I mean? I think I think in comedy, like all we want to do is get up and perform, right? Like, oh yeah, stand up will always yeah. be there for me. But I've been working on more projects. Obviously, you have. What's what's your podcast? Where can people find it? Oh, sorry, mixed up at Bianca. Sorry, mixed up <laughs> pod on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and that's mixed. I spell just and pod is P O D. Um, uh, where yeah, you can find us there. Um, we're on SoundCloud and iTunes. We're taking a break right now because we're retooling it um but we will be back shortly with new episodes yeah i think like working on projects is okay stand up is like it's sort of like oh god the diving board is that that's not the term i'm looking for at mm. all but it's like the launching point yeah you know you do stand up for a couple of years you make connections you meet people and then it's like off to projects and for me it's a little bit of means to an end of writing and i'm writing a book and mm-hmm. like i can't know? wait to read it it's gonna be fabulous oh thank you i know it's fa- i love like that you love female comics uh, books too because i read them all <laughs> yeah i love them oh god i think it's dope i can't wait to read yours it's just thank gonna be you, so interesting love. i love your column too Oh, thank you so much. And so, yeah, I think it's cool. Like, I'm still doing shows here and there. It sounds like you're still doing a lot of yeah. shows. And then um, how can people find you on Instagram and Twitter and possibly Facebook? Yeah, I guess you can add me on Facebook. Madison Shepard, M-A-D-I-S-O-N Shepard, S-H-E-P-A-R-D, uh, on Facebook. At Madison Shepard on Twitter. At Madison underscore Shepard on Instagram, which cool. I'm pissed off at. But you can go to my website. <laughs> Who's the other Madison Shepherd on Instagram? She's like an 18-year-old, like, model. Um, okay, girl. <laughs> you you got a lot more going for you. Okay, Don't anyway. even worry about good it. Luck. Good luck to you, Arizona. Um, <laughs> Arizona State. <laughs> yeah, good job. Um, uh, see you in a meeting soon. Um, so <laughs> you can also check out, like, I list my shows on my website, themadisonshepherd.com. Cool. I can't believe this is done. Thanks for coming Casey. here. So we actually got to, I want to shout out Meltdown Comics at yes. 7522 Sunset Boulevard in yes. West Hollywood because now I'm recording in the studio here as I... part of uh, the Meltdown Comics Network and I'm stoked you're my first guest here in the studio. I'm so proud to be the first guest here and I'm so cool. proud of you. This is awesome. I love Meltdown. This is an institution in Los Angeles. If you love comedy, you so got to come to Meltdown and come kiss the fucking ring, sweetheart. Yeah, They got everything you want here. So yes, come girl. check it out, guys. Yeah, come check it out. I'll 
kinds of comic books and like everything you could shows. dream of in the nerd universe as well as I've done a lot of cool shows in the back here. I did like a historical roast. Oh yeah. That was fun Also Caitlin Durante's show Luck of the Draw here is every month. What's that? Oh that one is where like comics have to do their uh, set and they pull uh, something out of a hat which is like say you're set in a whisper or only talk in the third oh, person fun. or like read jokes from a joke book. I feel like if someone did their set in a whisper I'd just get wet the whole time. <laughs> I'd just be like I'd be like I'm a little I'm too sure there was this. a little um, also check out uh, On Deck which is a fun show too run by Jamel Johnson well now that we've over promoted everyone <laughs> everyone <laughs> and everything shout out to just uplifting um, other people thank you for coming today Madison yes, you're thank awesome you and oh. thank you to my new sound engineer Mason he's rad too Mason Woo. so yeah I'll see you guys later do you have a sign off is that it bye <laughs> <laughs>